Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. This is a crowd podcast. That's some of the best refereeing and judging I've ever been a part of. How much training did you have to do before becoming a referee? You're damned if you do and you're damned if you don't. Who's getting the points there? It's almost impossible. No one beat a Cuban, no one beat a Russian. People listening to this podcast will say, what? Let's get on with it. I'm George, he's Deck. Hello, it's the George Groves Boxing Club. Good morning, Deck. Good morning, George. How are you? How you been? Yeah, is that a little Manchester twang you got in there? It was, it was. It's slowly ebbing out. How have you been? Why are you in Manchester, George? I was in Manchester at the Mm. weekend. I had a a gig. Oh, actual work. Yeah, on on the TV, on the box. Yeah, I saw you. It was Eubank Jr. versus uh, Smith. And who did you tip in that? (laughs) Yes, I did. I made uh, Eubank a chunky favourite, but it shows I know shit about Mm. boxing. Um, Welcome to the George Gross Boxing Yeah, welcome to the George Gross Boxing Yeah. No, um, wow. Oh, oh, God. I was actually a little bit shocked, as in speechless. Yeah. Uh, I was I was doing the radio comms for Sky, and it got stopped, and you're like, hmm, you know, uh, because you don't want to be the first to come out with something. You kind of want to let the dust settle a little bit, but you can't because you're the one who everyone's listening yeah, to there. And, then, yeah. and it was like, what magnificent night for, for Liam Smith. Rose to the occasion, performed on the night, wasn't meant to be for Eubank, it stopped in the fourth round. Shocker, really, because Liam Smith's not known for punching that hard and, and Eubank is known for having you know, a great chin, being able to absorb the punishment. So, you know, something went wrong that night uh, for him. But, but, but a great night of boxing. Mm. Amazing night of boxing. It's good to have you back in the actual at your actual job, though, on this podcast. Yes. Not doing the stupid stuff on the TV or whatever anymore. But well, you're here now. Mm. How can people become elite club members in this in this club, George? People are stopping me in the street and saying, how can I be an elite club member? And I'm glad you asked that. How, how on earth do they do that? Well, because if you want to become an elite club member, yeah. make sure you hit the follow button. Oh, the follow button. Easy. In Where? your podcast app. Oh, in the podcast app. Okay. Yeah. Yes. Hit the follow button. It means more guests and bigger names. It does. Do you know who I really hope has hit the follow button on this podcast app? It's Lewis Caraman. Now that's Caraman, not Cameraman. And he said, hi chaps, loving the podcast, very educational, great resource for me as I teach young people boxing in schools and for my local church. The podcast gives me the knowledge to share with the young people. Keep up the great work. What a v- email that is. Yes, I mean, that is brilliant. Some of them, like the CBS episode, that is pro- that was an education. The Inside Fighting one, the Shane McGuigan one. I'm glad that Lewis, I'm glad that he's spreading the spreading the, the word. Yeah, well, we've got a bit of everything in this. You never know what, what to expect, Deck. No. Um, we've had an email in from Jacob Cullen. Oh, the Jacob Cullen. He comes in, he says, hi guys, just want to say this is my favourite podcast bar none. <sighs> right? Loves the concept of picking a topic and going with that as opposed to the usual boxing format. Yeah, I love it too. That was what that was the plan, that wasn't was it? That was the plan. He goes, my favourite episode so far 
it, it has to be part two of Frotch one. Which is right. a mouthful. Yeah, he's, he's yeah, but he's, that done, was he's absolutely done me the he's way through that. A kipper, right? But that was a he was a war winner. Frotch was as the best guest, so Jacob Cullen probably probably voted for that. He would absolutely love to hear from Joe Calzaghe and David Hay on the podcast in the future. I saw David at the weekend. Oh yeah, was um, he on his own? No, he wasn't. <laughs> it was like <laughs> he was surrounded. Um, Joe, you know, you know what we need? That we need. I mean, obviously, this podcast is through the roof, rocketing, but. We need, we need a topic, I think, to get him in for. Yeah. A topic that I've he's comfortable talking about. Mm. And then once we've nailed that, we'll have him in. Try and get Joe Kazagi in as well. Do you know what I do think we need in this club, though, George? Finally, a bit of authority. I feel we're like we need a referee. Break. Stop. We're in a box. Can we get. We are. We've, we've, got, we've got Mike Bassey in. He's here. Mike Bassey is here, an elite referee. I hope he's wearing a shirt and a little bow tie. <laughs> <laughs> if he's not, he's not coming in. And white gloves. Yeah. He is. I can see him. Let's get him in. Let's get him in. Well, certainly the first referee in the club. Pleasure. Thank you for having me. Mm. There will be people going, the last thing they want to do is become a boxing referee because all it seems like is ag. One corner in your ear telling you to say, once moaning about this, you've got people to try and keep happy, but you've also got two boxes to keep safe. What made you want to do that? Perfectly honest, I didn't want to do it. That's the <laughs> point. Um, actually, so I boxed as a, a schoolboy level and junior level. And then I always thought one day I'd go back to boxing as a coach because I thought that's where my sort of, that's what I wanted to do. Uh, but then when I got married and had my own two little kids, I've just realized to coach is just the full-time commitment. And I knew I wouldn't have that time. And then... In the end, my oldest brother, Jumbo, who's a, a, a boxing coach, senior coach at Fairburn Boxing Club, but also an international, well-respected official, he pretty much, and I know it's not popular to say this nowadays, but he literally bullied me into officiating. He forced me into it, and I flatly refused, because for me, it was, all I ever saw was old men sitting ringside, you know, and they had nothing better to do, and boxing was a sort of a, a, an alternative lifestyle for him. So I really didn't want to do it, but, you know, as I, he, he, he forced me into it. I can remember the very first contest I referee i could not keep out the loo i was in and out. i was so nervous and it was only a local amateur boxing show um but once um the bell went literally i honest to god felt at home from sort of grassroots level i worked my way up to the sort of the highest level and got to referee some of the greatest boxers you'll ever see george included had the pleasure of refereeing him on more than one occasion one in particular i remember was when we was out in poland england national boxing team boxing the polish team and george won Mm. <laughs> broke my jaw though <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> i won i got i got through it but yeah it was that was a, that was a fun experience we were on the coach rivers yes when we had the accident and we had an accident we run, yeah so it was on this it's like minus 10 it's snowing it's poland february i think and uh we had a little smash i think i think it was skidded on some black ice and ran over this car it was quite wow. um it was quite intense yeah but yeah. luckily you know it's not that sort of podcast everyone was fine we yeah. got there we we boxed i won and you won yeah what were you like i'll ask both of you this question what were you like with refs were you a moaner before then refs we went refs yeah and uh, mick was bullied into uh refereeing by his brother mm. jumbo refereed my bout against james the gal in the northwest divs of the abas in 2006 maybe mm. and you won that as well won that as well yeah, yeah. it's a lucky charm the bassy family yeah they are yeah, yeah. One of them, if I climbed in the ring and I saw one of them, I was like, oh, it's going to make a good, <laughs> <laughs> a good Did, day. So were you a complainer? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Why doesn't that surprise me? No, no, no. Um, you never wanted to upset the ref, do you know what I mean? Because you wanted to be uh, all right. But sometimes, I mean, I mean, amateur refs, they had to be a little bit more on it 
than the professional refs because professional refs you know you can hold and whack away and you know unless you do something really bad but like amateur refs they you, back then then you know when i was boxing you pre on your case you couldn't hit with the inside of the glove you couldn't put your head down yeah lo yeah mm. loads of different things and then um they're there to do a job as well you're evaluated after every single bout as a referee and a judge every single bout you do you're evaluated we even do that at grassroots level so at local club show level there'll always be a, an evaluator making sure the referees and judges are up to standard and doing you know doing the work they should be doing so mm. is it a problem for amateur referees complaining because we hear it a lot in football that is you know there's a lack of respect and or a loss of respect and it's only getting worse what do you think it's like in boxing how does boxing compare the, the boxers themselves the boxers themselves are, are pretty good to be fair by and large they're pretty good um, and, and particularly the women for some reason it's a joy of refereeing women you kind of like every time you tell them break they almost want to apologize to you, you know? <laughs> it's, it's a really really strange um, but it's often it's the coaches and, and you know the fact of the matter is that amateur boxing you know at elite level you're boxing three minutes three rounds and these guys are trained to probably do six seven rounds at full pelt and when you've got sort of elite competition like the olympic games unfortunately there's got to be a loser because they're such elite athletes you, you know you're literally sometimes you know picking the red or blue corner by a punch because they're at it for non-stop three minutes per round and sometimes it really is a difficult difficult call and of course with every winner you've got a loser and nowadays lots of national federations have targets gb have targets um, and they could lose lottery funding if they don't hit their target so it's not just about the boxers or they they're your main fox uh, they're your main focus but you know very often the bigger picture if you really start thinking about it, it can really, really weigh you down. Mm. How much training did you have to do before becoming a referee? In England, and I'm not sure if this is the case all over the world, but certainly in England, you normally you're, you're a judge for a minimum a year, and then you do your uh, refereeing training and exams. So you you go through a course, um, you sit a written exam, you do a practical exa exam, and then think you used to have to do 20 bouts as an amateur before you were passed out. So it's not kind of you know just pass your exam and off you go. Mm. Um, you're grateful for those sort of you know. Know, um, uh, the training uh, refereeing often in a gym when lads are sparring you're grateful for that because when it comes to the real thing you know you're just that much more comfortable and confident we should point out at this point yeah when in professional boxing before they're at kind of title level any sort of title level there won't be judges at ringside the referee will decide not only officiate the contest but also then provide a score at the end and then once you get to a certain level they will have judges deciding it and then in amateur boxing you have judges there and the, and the referee so you wouldn't even on club shows you have judges there from for all bouts absolutely yeah yeah absolutely correct mm. yeah i mean the only thing i would add to that is in my experience that so we did like amateurs were three rounds but you might remember world series boxing yeah. that, that came in they did five rounds um, and then we, you had aiba pro boxing which came in as well that was around for about three years i think it was and they did 12 rounds so i did the undercard an apb world title fight on um klitschko versus fury so i did the the two bouts before the main event and that was a 12 round affair and what i did find with with the sort of 12 rounds the pros tend to sort of you know warm up for a first couple of rounds or something like that and as the bout goes on usually the winner becomes clearer whereas with the amateurs three rounds you know they're at it from the first bell to the last bell and sometimes it is so difficult to split them apart and and refereeing is is equally manic in those sort of three rounds but over 12 rounds the boxing it kind of like sort of starts slower and 
picks up pace as the fight goes on. Amateur boxing has changed, like, yeah. even in the period that I was boxing. So they would change the duration of the round, the amount of rounds, how they would score a fight. So there was a the largest chunk of my international boxing experience. We used to fight four two-minute rounds, <laughs> and it was on a computer scoring basis. So you had to land the white part of the knuckle to get a scoring point and then three of the five judges sitting ringside had to push a, like an electronic buzzer at the same time for you to score a point and sometimes the scores would be live so you could see yeah. how this, sometimes you didn't you got the scores at the end of the round for me thinking about a referee that's kind of not that difficult to put judgment on a fight because you're like right that bit of the glove's got to land on the target you know and it's up to you to deem if it's got to hit land hard or is it just the face or face and body right, right, right. but then now it's moved to just general round scoring much similar to the professional is that right yeah i mean it is yeah. we we moved amateur boxing moved uh, to the same scoring system as the pros in other words the winner of the round must get 10 points mm. so it's a must score sort of system and you're quite right so when you was around george we were doing four twos and it was computer-based scoring uh, and what tended to happen was you out of the five uh, judges you lost the highest score and you lost the uh, lowest score and then it was the average of the uh, three remaining judges interestingly enough in london 2012 we had computer scoring and we had a contest where all five judges scored let's say for the red corner and actually the blue corner won you'd say that's impossible mm. and it should have been impossible but there was a glitch in the system it just hadn't been tested you know well enough and that lad who won that contest went on to win a gold medal it makes sense doesn't it it's like okay you score with a blow and you get your point but when there's a little flurry especially the lighter guys or, or girls and it's like you can't see who's landed who's no, landed properly yeah who's getting the points there it's almost impossible. And, and you're pressing a button. And Declan, I think it's really important to mention this. You know, a scoring blow basically is the knuckle part of either hand landing on the target, which is the front sides of the head and body with force without being blocked. So that's pretty objective. Okay, that, that's it. The, the subjective element, and this is the bit you've just mentioned, is with force. Yeah. Now, a heavyweight with force compared to a flyweight with force is obviously completely different. And that's where sometimes, you know, a judge might deem a particular blow yeah that was enough force I'm going to score that another judge watching the same bout might say well actually that wasn't quite hard enough for me so I'm not going to score it mm. and only over three rounds yeah. as well so it's, it's a pretty I would say to any listener and this is a great thing to do particularly if you're a boxer or at a club and you keep going we keep getting robbed keep getting robbed go and watch a video of Cuba Russia or something like whatever two high level amateur boxing nations turn the sound off try and score the bout try and watch one round and say who won that really clearly with any emphasis it's so hard it's such a hard job to try and do it, it is and again I'll add to that in Rio for example Rio Olympic Games I watched a particular contest and we might talk about it in a bit more detail later but it was you know it was quite contentious after but I watched that bout and so when you watch it on the screen you're watching it in one dimension whereas when you're judging about you'll pick up punches you'll score punches while you're judging uh, ringside that you won't necessarily score when you're watching it on the TV because you can't see so imagine a right hook to the side of the body you might not pick that on uh, pick that up on tv because the camera angle mm. doesn't let you whereas when you're ringside chances are you're going to pick that up so you know i fully understand viewers saying well you know i thought blue won that and in a close contest judges might have gone red 
because they can see what the viewer can't mm. on occasion. So we had the computer scoring system before, um, and then we went to the you know the ten nine score yeah mm. scoring system. But the ridiculous thing about that is in Rio, for example, you had five judges and three from the five judges were selected. And when I say this is how ridiculous it is, what you did have was you might have three judges that went for the red corner, two judges went for the blue corner, but because the computer randomly selects three out of the five, you'd get two blue and one red. So the majority of judges have picked red, but the minority have decided the bout. Mm. Now the judges have done their job. The computer system has randomly selected the two blue and one red. Now the wrong boxers got the decision. That is not the fault of the judge. That is the fault of the people who agreed that scoring system. So going into Rio, me personally, I was at a, a referee and judges commission meeting and I presented a paper on behalf of like the international referees and judges and where we said, we recommend open scoring. So all five judges scores are, are, are seen by all and sundry. And then I gave them an alternative, which was rather than three from five judges, let's go four from five judges. So there's still an element of randomness there. Worst case scenario, two go red, two go blue. And then you just go to the tie break. And what that means is the judges scoring, electronic scoring pad would start flashing. Then everybody, all five judges would pick their winner. So obviously the two that went red would probably go red. The two went blue would probably go blue. The fifth one whose score wasn't selected would pick red or blue. Mm. Point being, the majority decide the winner. Okay, so that's a 3-2 to red or blue. In their wisdom, the then AIBA president, uh, CK Wu, and, and his people who were working on the commissions said, no, we're not doing that. We're picking three from five. And that decision was ratified by the IOC. So going into 2016, Michael Conlon's contest with the Russian nicotine. Nicotine, yeah. Nicotine. That's Fame, a prime example one. of a, co a contest where you, you just couldn't pick a winner. It was so, so close. Um, and I, I, that, that's the one I was watching in the referee and judges lounge on TV. And I can remember clear as day saying to like, a couple of my colleagues, I'm really glad I'm not in that one. Because you're damned if you do and you're damned if you don't. But the fact of the matter is, you know, it was unfortunate. You had to have a loser. And on this occasion, it was uh, Ireland. But Ireland should never, ever have been boxing uh, Russia. Why? Because Russia lost to Thailand in an earlier round. Thailand won 3-2, but the judges were selected two for Russia and one for Thailand. That's not the boxer's fault, that's not Russia's fault, and that's not the judge's fault. That's the scoring system that was agreed for Rio. Mm. And I can tell you now, I'm pretty confident that people listening to this podcast will say, what? Pick me about from Rio, and I've said this openly, and let's talk about it. Why do you think you know there was some kind of you know something going on? Just pick me about, mm. and we can talk about it, because for me, that's some of the best refereeing and judging I've ever been a part of. I really can say that with my hand on my heart. Mm. What do you as a referee look for? What wins you around? So, for example, me and Decker, we're having a little punch-up. Deck's really slick. He's long rangey. I can't catch him. He makes me miss. Not He's hit me about 15 jabs. 15 seconds ago, I hit him with a big right hand. It's the only shot I've landed in the round. Looks like his legs do a bit of a jig. Um, who wins that round? Declan Wood in those circumstances. Thank you. Yeah, De De Declan Wood. Because he landed more because punches. He, yeah. So when, when when it's really close, imagine it's a really, really close contest. That's when you start getting into who's got the, you know, who's who's leading off, who's trying to win the bout, you know, who's got the best style, who's got the best defense. Those are the kind of factors that come into play when it's really, really close. But by and large, whoever hits the other guy the most 
wins the round. And in amateur boxing, it's much the same now, and and it's subjective as well because the scoring system is gone, which was flawed, as we said. You know that had some flaws in it, and also as an amateur like you, when you're boxing that system to then go to a totally different system, not only a different system but also different t- bout timings, that must have been difficult. Well, yeah, I mean, yeah, I suppose. It was- Different, different when I did it because mm. it was. Um, so you were four twos as a senior as well. Four twos as a senior, yeah. yeah, it was four twos, and it was just made for some fires. Like yeah. Amir yeah. Khan was one of the best you'll ever see. You know, everyone saw him come to prevalence in Athens Olympic yeah. Games, right? But where for up for me as a kid, very spectacular, and I never really got to see it. it was, he would go to the World Championships under 19s as a 17 year old first of all you're like he's going there a year early he's got no <laughs> chance and then he would just batter everyone you know and this is a time when you get the draw and you'd have a look and you go where do i meet russia <laughs> am i in the medals before i meet where do i meet cuba where do i'm you know america i can beat america i can beat this but no one beat a cuban no one beat a russian there was ukrainians like usik and um lomachenko that were just gifted and amir khan was on you know lomachenko standards in terms of his you know be amateur skill mm. so like we we were trying we were trying to get involved in that sort of thing you know the sharp feet and fast hands i mean it worked for most of us and and you could transfer some of it as well like but you then, yeah, then you transfer it onto the uh, yeah. to the pros now you see the guys so the 2016 team which would have been Lawrence O'Coley Buatzi Joshua Buatzi Kelly they turned over and they sort of they moved through the pros Joyce. much quicker didn't they mm. Joyce. Joyce yeah, yeah and Joyce. he'd done WSB as well World yeah, boxing, did, yeah, which was fight which was an even bigger step towards plugging the gap between amateur and professional boxing but what I was interested in from a refereeing perspective what's easier to, to officiate as a referee two high level elite boxers or two, one or two batters. Two no batters. Yeah. Well, well, I mean, novices. I, I say what I'm about to share with you now. I say this to all the new referees every single time. And it was really good advice that I was given. When you first start out, you know, never turn down a show. Do every single local show you can do. That's where you learn. That's where your bread and butter is because that's where you get, you know, the no batters, you know, the, the, the novices that are still learning the game. They haven't quite got their ring craftsmanship as it should be. That's where you're in a smaller ring, smaller environment. Walk in the park when you've got like elite boxers, really. By and large, it's just a joy refereeing them because you don't have to get in the fair. You just get to watch two brilliant boxers with the best seat in the house. So hands down, I would pick like elite boxers all day long. Mm. Is it easier to referee smaller weight classes or the heavier weight classes? Oh, I hated doing the smaller weight classes because <laughs> they just like whippets. You know, and you've got, you're in a 24-foot <laughs> Slow down, mate. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, you, you're in the 20-foot uh, championship ring, so you've got enough room. You should never get caught. But they literally, all of a sudden, you know, change direction and you really got to be on your toes. Where are the bigger lads? You know, you can see them coming. You can very often anticipate where they're going to go next. So always, <laughs> always preferred the... the punches the, coming in slow motion. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, here's one then. So this happens probably more often. Well, you correct me if I'm wrong, but since the head cards came off, probably happens more often. Someone gets caught with a big one, goes down straight away. What are you thinking? You just pick up the can. If it's a legal blow, you're, yeah. you're picking up the can straight away. Yeah. Are you, are you already thinking, right, this guy, let's see how he is. Like, he's beating the count up in, up in time. Yeah. 
How are you assessing that this person's okay to continue? Yeah, I mean, the very first thing you do, you, you're looking at the looking in the eyes because very often they glaze over. If they're hurt, they're, they glaze over. And the single priority of a referee is the safety of the boxer at all times. And we always say, rather one punch too soon than one punch too late. And if you don't mind, George, can I talk about your uh, uh, first fight with Carl Froch? Oh, here we go. Which, no, because from, from a referee's yeah, point yeah. of view, it was really, really interesting because I watched it on TV. And for me, the stoppage looked premature. And uh, when we were doing pro, so when I was in WSB and APB, we, we adopted like the pro rules. You let much more go because we're talking pros now, right? Um, so for me, on the TV, that's how it looked. The only thing I would ever say about that is, and this is what I've always said as a referee, the referee knows best because he's the closest. So what I saw on the TV may not be what he saw. Novice boxers, you would you let, wouldn't even take any risk. You wouldn't take. Often, a risk. sometimes they come down and they seem fine, and you yeah. see it get waved off for that reason. Yeah, absolutely. So if I can mention another one, you may have seen it. Um, this was in the Commonwealth Games just recently. The Irish kid boxed the English kid. I can't remember what weight. Yeah, the Irish kid's name was Gallagher. Very, yeah. very good boxer. And so these are two elite boxers. Now the Commonwealth Games is often referred to as the friendly games because of the nations that are involved. And unfortunately, you do get a real ranging class. Some of the lesser nations, boxers are really weak and you might they might draw a really strong English boxer, for example. So you have to be really, really careful with that. But this particular contest, you had an Irish kid, elite Irish boxer, elite English boxer. The Irish kid was all over the English boxer. There was only going to be one winner. You could see that. But the, the English kid took two counts and then the referee stopped the contest. The English kid was up. He was ready. You know, he was rearing to go. And this is where you've got to be, you know, really, really careful. These are elite boxers. He should have been allowed to continue. He probably wasn't going to win the bout, but he's ready to go. He's trained so hard to be there. Give him a chance. You always got the puncher's chance, right? But I'll always say I'd rather it was stopped then mm. than, you know, one punch too late. Did you ever feel it was... It was difficult one for you particularly at the time and it was crazy to stop it and there was a lot it was hugely controversial was there a part of you that felt some compassion for Howard Foster in that decision because he really had your best interests at heart Were you, did you understand that at the time the compassion comes that I know it's a hard job but I generally even down to it now believe that he just bought into the hype and every so there's pressure on the referee's shoulders and the, the the gent like it wasn't just me trying to be against the the wave. It was everyone saying that Frotch was going to get me. There's always a there's always a case. There's always been a fight where it can explain where a fight could be left to go on because Corrales has pulled it back or mm. this one's pulled it back. And likewise, there's fights where it should have been stopped because someone was just getting beaten and then you know something, something terrible happens. But in that one, I just think Howard just got sucked into the hype. You know, he thought that it was going to come late. We we're both tired at that stage, but that's, that's me and it, you know. So I guess I'm biased, I'm biased, yeah. <laughs> and it's hard, it's hard because you're the fighter, and even though the referees are there, they're almost like the opposite sometimes. Like they're there to be impartial, obviously, and do their job and keep the fighters safe. But we don't, as a fighter, don't really care about the referee. <laughs> it's, it's, it's not being horrible. Yeah, I mean, that, you know, we're there. We care about ourselves. We care about hurting the guy in front of us. So there's never really a lot of sympathy for the referee, you know. And when they get it right. They could have done a perfect job, but you're not rushing over the referee to say, well done, mate. No, that was really yeah. good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's you know, a good point. I, I've been on tournaments before with pit referees like yourself, you know, and you go to Eastern Europe, like, and you're fighting in Russia or you're fighting in Ukraine or Azerbaijan or somewhere, and there's always like a photographer and they're just clicking off the pictures and you'd go, uh, 
after the fight, me and a go-go, Anthony Agogo or Luke Campbell, whoever it was, we'd go and have a look at our picture, see if we got a good action shot. And the referee, I can't remember if he'd be next to us, and he's like, I'm getting that one. Look. <laughs> That's a good one of me. I <laughs> my shirt's all nice and tight, and I'm just in the action. I'm like, what? <laughs> but you forget then. You're like, no, this is important. Yeah. The reason you're doing this is because... It's a proud moment for you. Unfortunately, we're in a job where we only get noticed when we do things wrong. When <laughs> yeah. it goes wrong, that's when you get noticed. Yeah. Nobody ever will say, you know, outside of your circle of officials, nobody will say, good bout, well, well done. And very often, you know, officials, referees in particular, are responsible for some of the great bouts because they've, they've let them flow. They haven't, you know, stepped in when they could have stepped in because they've got the feeling for the bout. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Um, and, and they've just let it go, let it go, let it go. And very very often, who you thought was going to win the bout doesn't end up winning it because you've given them every opportunity and the guy who was perhaps on the sort of losing end first few rounds comes back stronger and ends up winning. And very often that can be sort of, you know, or, or the referee's played his or her part in, you know, the success of that contest. So that's that, that in itself is rewarding. Another thing a referee does before allowing the bout to continue, some people, listeners might not have even noticed this, some will have, I have no idea why, get the gloves, rub them on your shirt, off you go. Why do you do that? Why do you do that? I can tell you that. Go on, George. Well, if they've touched down, yeah. then their gloves are touched the canvas. It can be dirty. Yeah. Can't get some dirt yeah. in the eye. Or absolutely. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah absolutely. Yeah. Some sort of something on the canvas yeah. as well. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's yeah. not like a magic touch or anything. Yeah. No, go on, mate. Yeah. <laughs> He's got a little bit of dirt on the referee. He's got a little bit of dirt on his shirt. He's like, oh, it's usual gloves, mate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, thanks for that. I used to, I grew up watching Malcolm in the Middle. Love Malcolm in the Middle. Oh, yeah. And they show it. that clip of, is it Leonard or is it someone? The referee takes a right hand. Yes. In the opening credits, yeah. has that ever happened to you? No, fortunately not. You've seen it. It does happen. Yeah, how regular does it happen? Oh, I mean, more than you would sort of imagine, really. I can imagine this is small hall shows yeah. when they're wild and they're rough and they're, yeah, you, you think you're 14, stepping in to break something yeah, in a big yeah. right hand. 14 foot ring, you know, you've got a couple of big fellas or you stand by the corner. And you can't, <laughs> rub, you can't rub it. If you yeah. get it, you can't rub it. Yeah. You can't show anyone you felt it. No, no exactly. <laughs> yeah. Fine. Yeah. But not, not to you? No, fortunately not. Fortunately, never been hit. Fortunately, never tripped in the ring. That's a bad one. Yeah. <laughs> you do feel for the referee. You want to laugh, but you do laugh. But it's, you just pray it doesn't happen to you. But I've seen that happen. It does. You know, you, we're human at the end of the day. It can mm. happen, but not a good look when it does Have happen. you ever caught any blood in the mouth? Not in the mouth, but plenty of times been splattered with blood. It's not, you know, it's not great. But what can you do? Especially with their stupid white shirts. <laughs> <laughs> and they look good, doesn't they? It yeah. adds to the, uh, to the scene. Add to the drama. Yeah. Yeah. So talk us through the Olympic final. So the first British official to referee Olympic final. Yeah, yeah. What it was, was about? It was uh, 81 kilos, which obviously Ali's weight, yeah, yeah. cruiser or, or light heavy, I should say. Yeah. Um, it was uh, Russia versus, can't think of his opponent at the moment, but it was the only gold medal Russia won in 2012. Mm. Uh, and, and it was like one of the few ones I was eligible for. So I was pleased because, you know, you, you, there's got to be an element of neutrality with all the judges and the referees. So you wouldn't do, like normally as a European, I wouldn't do a European final. Yeah. But I could do an Eastern European nation if they was boxing, you know, another continent. Is this Olympic rules or is this just in general? No, it's in general. Mm. It's in general. It's, it's the role of the draw commission. Um, so they're three people who pick the officials for each continent. 
contest one contest so when it's, at a time so if it's the European Championship so they sort of split East and West or it's not, not quite the same so it, it, like the European Championships now before when you was boxing George, they go to it, some NATO I don't yeah. know yeah. <laughs> you or NATO now <laughs> so when you were but uh, you were boxing the European Championships was run by the European Union um, uh, sorry the European Commission but now I believe they're run by AIBA so international mm. so you get like officials from all over the world whereas when in your time, it was each country took an official yep. from their country. And very often what would happen is you'd get more Eastern European nations entering, more Eastern European uh, referees and judges, and even inevitably in some of the contests, you'd have more Eastern European uh, officials at ringside. And so if you've got an Eastern European boxing or Western European very often the outcome would be sort of three, two, I can, or I can two, tell you, one in the direction. And you had Igor Mekonsev, who, like That's you it. say, was the, the winner from Russia. Yeah. And he boxed Yamaguchi, Falcao, Florentino, so the Brazilian. Oh, that's so right. that's why it's yeah. not two European yeah. two European nations. What were the, how were the nerves that day? That would have been Sunday, the final day of it competition? Was, it was the final yeah, day, yeah. yeah, it was. Yeah. So that would have been two bouts before Joshua then? Correct. Yeah, yeah, yeah it was. I mean, like, Proudest punch, I had my family there, my wife was there. So a really, really proud moment. As an amateur boxing official, that that's, you know, your blue ribbon event. That's what you want to do is an Olympic final. Then that's it. You know, you can retire happy, so to speak. So really, really proud moment. Um, but actually, it was, when I was actually doing it, it was, I literally felt like an out-of-body experience. It was, so it's packed but I think it was 20,000 people. And the XL. Uh, yeah, the XL. It was just an amazing atmosphere. And the fans were real boxing fans. And, you know, there wasn't a GB boxer boxing or anyone from um, the Ireland either in that particular battle. But the crowd were absolutely mental for mm. it. It was so, so loud. Because yeah, that one would have been, they famously at that, when Katie Taylor boxed Natasha Jonas, this was the quarterfinal stage, yeah. I think, it was the loudest decibels from any venue at the whole games. Yeah, I heard So that. now you're talking finals day. Taylor yeah. in the finals, by the way. Yeah. Joshua in the super heavy. Yeah. Just an unbelievable setting yeah. for boxing. Yeah. Was you there? And you're in the middle of it. Yeah, I was there. Yeah. And that one, I can't remember that one. I was probably having a little break before. Before It would have been Usyk in the, at 91, heavyweight. Yeah. Yeah. And then Joshua at Super Heavy against um, Camarelli in the final. Yeah. So like a massive day. And it had been the whole day, every day of competition at London. Yeah. And then you're in the middle of it. Yeah. Having to sort of make sure that this goes down correctly. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, and sort of, you know, it was an easy bout. To be fair, it was an easy bout to referees, which was good. Um, but by then, you're almost on autopilot as well because, you know, you've been through it so many times. You know exactly what you're doing and you're exactly where you want to be. And the other thing is, Danny O'Sullivan, who's a dear, dear friend of mine, you might know him, he's an MC. Mm. You'll know him, George. He's, he's mm -hmm. MC'd you plenty of times. Years ago, he called it, uh, when 2012 London was announced, he said, Mick, mark my words, me and you are going to be there on the, on the field of play. And I was in the ring and he announced me in. <laughs> he was the uh, master of ceremonies. Did you that. give yourself a little name, stage name before you come on? Like, <laughs> Marvellous Nick. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> <laughs> I probably would have if I thought of that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he's got a short song. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And like, what are you doing? You got to wear the sparkly tie. <laughs> yeah. So, Sequins. but you know, uh, just on a more serious note, I really hope. I mean, do people have access to either of you two to ask questions? Yeah, yeah, them? absolutely. Because I'm, I'm just really interested to uh, know. You know, like, let, let me know if anybody comes back to you about the whole scoring system. Yeah, in Rio. they will. For me, that's an absolute scandal, <laughs> yeah. and, and most people don't know about that. And I don't know why they don't know about it. Obviously, like the governing body are not going to sort of publicise that because you know they'd look more. 
daft than they are. Mm. But it, for me, it was, I think the referees and judges were really treated unfairly. But yeah, because the, you're the ones who get it in the neck. Yeah, absolutely. And it's all part of the quote unquote, like the suggestions against corruption and all that sort of stuff when really you're just doing a job, yeah. which is already difficult as we've covered, yeah. almost impossible, yeah. like tiny margins and then not helped by a flawed system, basically. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And the boxers like you probably wouldn't, have a second thought about that you just think oh, I'm going to I need to go in and box well, yeah, not, you my, don't not my know. problem you, you, yeah. you don't know like and there are there are times a lot of times you might not know the technical breakdown of how you know about is selected for the final decision but there's, there's times time again you've been away and you're like that's like an iffy decision iffy decision and this is more so when it's you know it's not a major tournament you know you might be out in Azerbaijan for a multi-nation you might be like under 17 cadets, there's four <laughs> Azerbaijan kids at your weight. They've sent two Russians over. This, that, this, this is a tough tournament, you know? So um, when it came down to the computer scoring that I was doing back then, um, I don't want to harbor on about access. I'm a dinosaur now, but literally they had to press it at the same time. Yeah, it's mad. So, you, you know, you're then, it's always paranoia. You could be like, all the scores come out this, like, you know, uh, red corner 30, blue corner 20. But that's not the score in the end because they didn't push it at the same time. You're like, was he pushing it a fraction too late? Mm. Was he not? Was he this? That? Was he? Yeah, uh, what did he get to last? Doing? Yeah, did he get to the last ten seconds of the round? They go blue, blue, blue. <laughs> <laughs> did you? Uh, were there still the outclassing? Um, yeah, so there was outclassing. So if so you're twenty you, points ahead, you're twenty you points ahead. They outclassed you apart from the last round. I think the last round they would let it go because by London they'd been that. It, it was all over the place. It was wow. terrible. Mm. Well, it was we terrible. went to um, Darren Barker said it on on the pod. He was out. We was out in Estonia um, for the Europeans, and kids were getting stopped left, right, and centre. You know, I got stopped in the second round. I think when they stopped about, it was like forty five twenty five. <laughs> You know, and I don't throw that many punches. <laughs> well, and, the, and the flip side of that, George, I can tell you, I'd been, I can never forget it. We was in Sardinia for the European Union Championships mm. and the scoring system was exactly that at the time. And, and they'd blow the whistle and I'd be thinking, who won? Yeah. Yeah. I literally, as a referee, didn't know who'd won the, who'd mm. won the contest. And yet the whistle's gone for being outclassed. Because mm. at, at that point, you're thinking, right, I need to overhaul my style. Yeah. Then there was like a team of Romanians would show up and all they did was walk out and just throw hands. Like they were doing punch endurance in the gym. That was all they did. Throwing, for two minutes, they could easily rattle out 100 punches. Um, Hedging their bets. Mm. And then it, then it flipped. Like, I think this came just after I turned pro where I'd speak to Andy. Yeah, go, go, how'd you get on? He goes, yeah, I won. What's the score? 2 nil. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like you couldn't score a point there. Yeah. It's like, what, two judges to nil? No, he says, no, I landed two scoring punches. Yeah. Sometimes it was nil-nil. Yeah. Finish the fight. Goalless. <laughs> Goalless. No You're point. Like, well, that was a good fight to watch. There's one guy's battered, black eye, broken nose. Yeah. But it's, it was hard. Like It's hard. And obviously the referees and the, the officials are always the ones who are going to um, take the flack. Mm. Here's, so, here's one, Mick. Did you ever have any referee heroes did you ever look up to him and be like he's the ref he's the daddy of refs i want to there's things he does well that i want to replicate or want to take that oh there's a there's a couple there was a um a, a russian guy called sudakov and he was well recognized internationally as as being one of the top guys and when i sort of started to be, sort of work in the same sort of competitions as him watched him he was quality. He had his own style, but he was absolute quality. And another one, actually, Mickey Gallagher from Ireland. 
I'd heard about him and he was a, a top gun. Um, I mean, he'd done the world championships in Belfast in 2001, I think it was. And I, as I said, I'd heard about him and we worked, and I was just starting now, we worked uh, multi-nations in Liverpool and I was w working, but I was still training at international level then. So although I was scoring all abouts, my scoring wasn't counting, but I watched him, you know, I got to watch him up close first, first time round. And so the first few days, me being a cocky sort of, young referee then thinking he ain't no better than me I'm as good as him but as the competition went on the days went on the week went on he was just a different class mm. and I said to myself that's the levels I've got to reach and fortunately you know further down the road we ended up working the same competitions we worked 2012 and uh, Rio together so it was a real privilege for me to work with him learn an awful lot of him what makes a good ref then in a nutshell do not get noticed if you haven't been noticed, nine times out of ten, you've done a good job mm. as a referee. That's the sort of golden rule. Now, Deck, as a former fighter, you can imagine I still like to keep an eye on the fight game. I can imagine, mate. So do I, George. There's fights all across the world these days. Sometimes you just can't find anywhere to watch them. If only there was a solution that meant we had access to the biggest and best fights whenever we wanted to watch them. Well, Deck, there just might be. Ooh. With NordVPN, you can switch your virtual location to a country showing, like you said, the biggest and best sporting events around the world. Not only that, but you can stream your favourite TV shows at the drop of a hat too. Surely to watch the best live sporting events and my favourite TV shows, that's going to cost me a fortune. Well, NordVPN actually helps save some money. Does it? Not to mention your protection against cybercrime. You change your virtual location, sign up for a subscription service via other countries and pay a cheaper rate just for the price of one small coffee a month. But what about if I want to throw in the towel at any time? It's not a problem, Dick, right? Because NordVPN provides you with a risk-free... Risk-free? Risk-free 30-day money-back guarantee. That's my kind of guarantee. Yes, check out the link, nordvpn.com forward slash ggbc and get your subscription started today. Use that link and you'll receive huge discounts off NordVPN plan plus a bonus gift. Okay, that sounds like an unmissable deal, George, but I know you... I've you know, stitch me up in the past. Am I <laughs> safe here? Because that could be the real knockout blow. <laughs> NordVPN is a one-stop shop for all things cybersecurity deck. It is incredibly easy to use, right? Otherwise, obviously, I couldn't use it. And with just one click, you're protected. You don't have to be a tech whiz. And with your NordVPN account, you can have up to six devices protected. <sighs> I haven't got six devices, but if I did, I'd be buzzing. By I that. mean, that's a Ronald Winky right yes. guard there. Yeah, that really Nothing's is. Nothing's getting through. So let me get this right. With NordVPN, I can watch live sporting events, the best in film and TV from countries around the world, all for the price of a measly little coffee a month, as well as being protected from hackers, malicious sites and pop-ups, which I hate. That is right. Nothing below the belt. Just make sure you use the link nordvpn.com forward slash GGBC for that huge NordVPN plan discount plus the bonus gift. Talk about Saved by the Bell. You'll never have to miss anything ever again with NordVPN. But you must have thought, mate, you've been in the middle. You see boxers come out, all level competition, and you've gone, if that was me walking out, I'd have this song. You must have kicked that one around. 
He definitely has, I can yeah. tell. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're putting me on the spot now. Yeah. Uh, what's the tune I would have mm. if I was boxing or yeah. if I was just going out to referee? Oh, yeah, now, yeah. now, ring now referee. then. Yeah. Yeah. What's the tune if you, yeah, if you could pick a ring walk for the ref, what would it be? I, I mean, this is, it's an old one. It's cool. an obvious one and it's really arrogant and I'm embarrassed to say it, but yeah, I have to say it. it would be simply the best. Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I think it might be already on there. Yeah, but I'm sure that, it is. But yeah. I'm, I, we need to annotate that. I thought, that's I thought you were going to go Stone Roses, I want to be adored. I, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I thought you were going to say my way. Oh, <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> they should start giving rest ring walks. That'd be brilliant. Yeah, they should. Mm. You should have like a feature. They they tried to bring in the cam the cameras on the on the yeah. rest for a bit and they're mic'd yeah. up so you can hear what they're saying. Yeah. And then you got I suppose you might have to get a little bit more quirky as a ref. You have to yeah. separate yourself. Have a brand. Have you got have you got like a little what's what, what you know, touch Yeah, like gloves. a catchphrase well, or you got a catchphrase to start before that before yeah. So I mean originally uh, it's only recently that you're allowed to talk to the boxers. Before it was mm. you were only allowed to use three commands, box, break and stop. That was it. Whereas now you're kind of like, you know, you could say, George, stop holding, you know, red corner, stop holding, you know? So you can, and it's much easier because you can help boxers get through the contest that way. Whereas before you would literally have to say, stop, admonish the boxer, you're stopping the action and this, that and the other, spores the sort of flow of the bout. But but now, as I say, you can. And so when you, do, you know, when you bring them to the center of the ring before the contest starts, you can. People did have, like a few referees did, took it, you know, on board and used their own like little, little phrases. I mean, I did, I was just, you know, touch gloves and good luck, that was it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Let's get it on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what, one thing, and that you get this a lot with fans and whatever, because in professional boxing, really more than amateur, but the fact that referees are never accountable, they never have to do an interview, they never have to say, and the same with judges, never have to explain like how Foster never had to stand up and be like, I did it because of these reasons. And in many ways it might have helped, but there's reasons why that why that doesn't happen. You think that's correct? That officials never have to I don't think themselves. it's correct. And and I had first hand experience of this in Rio. So we there was a couple of days in Rio where there was a couple of contentious contests, really close, you know, didn't go the way some people thought they should have gone, et cetera, et cetera. We used to have as as officials, we had a meeting every morning. And on one of the mornings uh, after these couple of days had passed, I volunteered that I felt that although people from the International Boxing Organization were uh, taking questions from media, I suggested that why don't you put an official in front, let them explain what mm. they're doing, why they're doing it. It makes sense, right? Yeah. Um, it's the obvious thing for me to do, sort of thing. And 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 like you, you know, I don't like to criticise, you know, fellow officials or whatever. But how different would it have been had uh, Howard Foster been able to come out and say, "Well, actually, this is what I saw and this is why I did it." Controversy finished there mm. and then. You know, so yeah, I'd love to see see that you know uh, officials be more accountable. Absolutely, I mean, the other one was, oh, what was the the recent judging sort of scandal one? Um, Catrell Taylor. Taylor. Yeah. Taylor. The only thing I found out is what I read in the newspapers after, and that was nothing. I watched some of the interviews, the coaches' interviews, and the boxers' interviews, and my, you know, heart was broken for him. Mm. It's just uh, that that for me was a real difficult watch, and we don't do. Uh, the sport any favours when we have decisions like that. It's difficult to justify that in my in my opinion. Mm, well said. We should open up to listeners and say, because there'll be a lot of questions from hardened boxing heads, but also the non, you know, real non-boxing experts about scoring, about refing and stuff. Just say any questions they got. 
send them in. We'll send them mixed way. Yeah, we'll sure. get some education because it's a it's messy. Mm. It's messy for people who know about it, let alone people who don't. Yeah, and also anyone who who might not feel it's up for them. Here's living proof of yeah. the fellow who didn't quite didn't even want to it. do it. <laughs> now he's yeah, uh, that was He's <laughs> MBE. He's refereed Olympic finals, and he's in the club. He's in the club. Proud, proud day. Yeah, oh, thank pleasure. How about that then, Deck? Pulled no punches. Yes. Yeah, I've never heard half of that stuff. Yeah, I was. You don't uh, hear from referees, do you? Well, you did. I did a lot. Yeah. Usually they're counting me out, so uh, <laughs> it's the last time I had a referee. I'm not leaving here until I've told the people that they should be hitting the follow button in their podcast app. Are we still banging on about Right about now. And because you get more followers means more guests, bigger names. And what more do you want? What more Where else can? Want? How else could they reach us? They could reach us, Deck, via our socials at GG Boxing Club on Instagram, Twitter, TikTok. Uh, if you're listening on Spotify, as always, check out our playlist, The Ring Walk, which grows with every week. And you can listen ad-free on Amazon on music yes you can we are back next week Monday is Shreds oh, our final episode final Shreds final Shreds oh shit we've got to do we've it got topless. tops off yeah <laughs> and our regular Wednesday episode is Ebony Bridges Ebony Bridges is in the club Ebony Bridges she's been on the hit list for a while first Finally got her. female world champion in the club yeah first Australian can't wait love it cheers Deck. have a good week mate, you too, mate. Hello friends, George and Deck here. Hello. Quick one from us. There's a new podcast from Crowd Sports that we're really excited about and want to share with you all. Yes, it's called Captains and it's presented by former Wales and British Lions captain Sam Warburton. Sam will be speaking to elite captains and leaders from a whole range of sports. I wonder if we'll have a boxer on. Actually, that's a good point. Is there any role in boxing, George, that resembles a captain or anything like that? Does anyone spring to mind? I'm thinking your old gaffer, Shane McGuigan. That's a trainer, isn't it? That's yeah. a trainer option. Fighter. Well, you've got Dillian White and you've got Anthony Joshua, who are both fighters, but both have an array of fighters underneath their professional yeah. banner. So are they a captain? Yeah. Anthony Joshua is either captain of British boxing. He seems like it at one point, maybe not so much anymore. Anyway, getting off topic. Captain shares the stories, insights and experiences of world-class sports people and explores how they succeeded and the obstacles they overcame. So whether you're looking for motivation or life's lessons or you just love a good story, this is the podcast for you. We'll play you the trailer now and to find the full podcast, you can hit the link in the episode description or search for Captains with Sam Warburton in your favourite podcast app right about now. You should do it. It is really good. It's a banger.